0: eco money on money fm 89.3 so the dust has settled on this year's formula one grand prix in singapore a massive global event that attracts spectators from across the globe There's something interesting about the grand prix in the singapore grand prix in particular is that it's pledged to reduce 50 percent of energy emissions by 2028 And as I'm sure you're probably thinking, motorsport isn't exactly the most environmentally friendly sport. So you may be wondering just how they're going to do this and also perhaps what this means for other large scale events. Well, to help us break it all down, we're joined now by Mr. Vinoyd Cassava, who is a council member of the Sustainable Energy Association of Singapore, also a co-founder, MD, and CEO of Climate Resources Exchange. Vinoid, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today.
1: Well, no, hello, Rachel. Thank you very much indeed. So my pleasure to be here.
0: Great to have you with us. So those are ambitious targets by the Singapore Grand Prix. Were you at the F1 over the weekend? What are your thoughts?
1: Well, I was working on a couple of projects that reduce and remove emissions, so I, unfortunately I wasn't there. Um, and uh, of course, I, I, I saw the news about it in the end, uh, and of course I think there were some discussions about the carbon footprint of the event itself.
0: That's right. And looking at the event, the scale of the event, I mean, you've got to look at it from many angles, right? You've got one, you've got the race itself, the cars, and you've got the energy consumed putting together such a large-scale event, plus you've got the waste from an event like that. So let's take a look at this pledge. 50%, a reduction by 50% of energy emissions by 2028. How can they do this?
1: Well, I think the the reductions itself have to be based on a number of emission points mm-hmm. if you look at greenhouse gases in general you'd be looking at different types of emission sources so that is defined as scope one scope two and scope three scope one is direct emissions from combustion of of, uh, of engines or diesel generation sets scope two is indirect uh, emissions from the consumption of electricity and scope three is Indirect emissions from supply chain, logistics, and 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 business commute. So what we have here is a uh, scenario that I see a, a pledge being made in terms of reducing those emissions from a scope two perspective, indirect emissions. So I think the 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 plan is actually doable, very much doable, especially with. Uh, the increase in the amount of renewable energy that will be exported into Singapore, the amount of renewable energy that's created here. Uh, And if that energy can be stored in battery technologies, I think that can easily help to actually reduce the the emissions of uh, electricity that is consumed. In the first instance. Uh, In the second instance, I, I think there might be a more holistic way of looking at this. Because I do believe that in terms of scope one and scope three emissions, uh, it will be difficult to reduce or remove those emissions because they are inherent emissions. For example, in scope one, you're looking at emissions from from the race cars themselves. And it's quite hard to replace that kind of fuel to justify the same kind of performance for Formula One engines. Um, so that, that will be a little bit tough to, to reduce.
0: What kind of footprint are we looking at for an event such as the F one?
1: Uh, if you look at the, if you look at what F one has published in totality, for each of their seasons, they usually emit about two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand tons of CO two equivalent, right? Uh, and that that those emissions translate to uh, quite a significant amount of emissions for a single event, but that is the nature of the event, as you pointed out earlier when you mentioned about the fact that, you know, it is pretty intensive, right? So in terms of reducing or removing those emissions, it's going to be quite difficult to achieve that. Scope 3 is also a little bit more difficult because you're talking about supply chain, logistics, and so on. But maybe if local transportation were converted more into electric vehicles, for example, for the supply and transport of equipment, Maybe that can help to reduce the, or avoid those those type of emissions, uh, and of course, I think uh, the amount of uh, waste that is generated, um, maybe can be treated in another way. Uh besides the incinerators, maybe there are ways of using uh, using, for example, uh, organic waste to be uh, to be used in biogas plants, for example, to produce renewable energy. Just just for example, right? Um, so that's that's how it may be further reduced, but mm-hmm. you're not going to reduce it to zero. That's the point. So when we talk about a net zero uh, ambition, so to speak, then we are really looking at the concept of what carbon credits are. And carbon credits are generated from projects that actually reduce, remove or avoid emissions, right? Whether it's a technology-based solution or whether it is a nature-based solution, carbon credits can actually be used to achieve a net zero goal. But it has to be done in a way where it is calculated, profiled very accurately so that the right type of carbon credits can be purchased to offset it. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody wants the branding of greenwashing going around, going around the place, right? Because anybody can say, well, you know, I have a million tons of emissions today, I tell you what I'll buy a million tons of carbon credits and I'll offset it to zero and therefore I can call myself net zero that I don't think is the right way to do it
0: definitely and it's a difficult balance isn't it between offsetting yeah. um what is too much you know mm-hmm. what is not, what is how how can companies go down that road and so that kind of leads me to the next question because as you mentioned this is something that we're seeing happen across the globe when it comes to organizing events. There may be those that wonder, if I'm cutting carbon or cutting my footprint, doesn't that necessarily mean that I'm cutting costs and even cutting my potential profit from an event?
1: It could mean an additional investment in the long term, which Mm -hmm. means if you're going to be spending more, your returns might become lower. But In the face of catastrophic climate change, we are talking about long-term sustainability. So an initial investment today to make it better, to reduce or to avoid that emission, even if it means investing in a project outside of where the specific race is taking place, and that can contribute towards a removal or reduction of emissions, in terms of using carbon credits, of course, then it makes sense, because you are then dealing with the The larger problem, which is catastrophic climate change, which inadvertently will affect the profitability of businesses 10, 15, 20 years down the line. So that's the way I see it.
0: So that said, I understand that the Sustainable Energy Association of Singapore is organizing an event come October, and that event is going to be completely, fully carbon neutral. How are you achieving this?
1: Well, the Asia Clean Energy Summit, uh, organized by the Sustainable Energy Association of Singapore, which is part of the entire Singapore International Energy Week, and we have um, my particular company, Climate Resources Exchange, which you mentioned earlier. We've been carbon profiling events for years. I think since probably twenty ten, we've been mm-hmm. doing it. And some people, when I first started doing that, you know, they they thought I was crazy or something. You know, what was I doing? what i was trying to determine was the per kilogram co2 volume of emissions that are generated from doing specific things so when you have an event for example you need to use a space the space is using chilled water to produce cold air that you know uh, air conditions the place right cools the place down that is a in a very intensive energy consumer right and then you start to think about how much lighting is being used during the event, right? And and in in terms of both lighting and cooling, there is a time aspect. So in a day, you may be running for twelve hours because obviously the thing starts before people arrive and it ends after people leave. So let's assume twelve hours in the day. Over three days is thirty six hours, right? So that thirty six hours is quite intensive in terms of scope two emissions, which I mentioned earlier. So uh, cooling and uh, lighting. So what we do for the event is that we usually would profile every single aspect of it. We will talk to the organizers or to the event, uh, the, the, the 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 event venue itself, to speak to them to find out what is the size of the area that is being cooled for the event. For example, from there we can actually compute or calculate the amount of energy in terms of kilowatt hours that is being consumed, right? And then you multiply that by the grid emission factor, which is the power source, right? It's coming from the grid. So then you, ha- you you know your specific energy consumption for the event, right? So you can determine it from that perspective, just in terms of energy alone. And then, of course, we will look at uh, elements such as food, how much vegetarian food there is. Uh, if there's meat being served, is there beef? Right, if beef is being served, we will apply factors that are recommended by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, uh, which is the international body that determines what these factors are in different countries, right? So we can determine the amount of food that has been served. We will find out how much is actually going to be served, including wastage, and compute the emissions coming from that source. And also in terms of when they were transported from, let's say, the... The uh, within the boundary of Singapore, let's say, we will compute the transportation um, uh, emissions for moving the food from point A to point B, for example. That could be another consideration. If it's being imported from another country, we can also find out, and in terms of which country, we can determine how that food was being transported to Singapore. right? And then we will also compute plastic waste because there is also an, an element or a factor that we can apply in terms of the common types of plastics that are being used during an event, during the setup and the teardown, and so on. How much volume of that was being used? So, th- this is how we typically compute uh, that. And we have a standard generic form that we've developed over the years. I mean, years and years of doing it, right? Decades. Years this you start to develop it and becomes more and more sophisticated we're getting better numbers better quality numbers from international statistics and so on and and of course research papers and so on but we try to get to the point where it is as accurate as possible right if an event is going to be emitting let's say 100 tons uh, and then we go and say, "Oh, you know, it's fifty tons." No, I, 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 don't want to get it to that point. I must make sure I'll, I'll get to the as close as possible to hundred tons. And neither do we want to say it's a thousand tons, and make mm-hmm. the organi- organiser go and buy a thousand tons for what reason? Yeah. Even if they agree, for what reason we're wasting other people's money? All I'm saying is, it has to be done accurately, and and in a way that is reasonable. And then again, you have to apply. A certain sense logic to determine what kind of carbon credit can be used. Uh, we have heard in the last year and a half. I'm sure you've heard about this too, Rachel. Uh, about you know certain projects double counting their carbon credits, lack of monitoring and verification procedures or protocols being applied. So we have to apply a set of rules that that will conform to the integrity of what the project is actually delivering in terms of creating the carbon credit
0: that's right well thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today we've been speaking with vinod cassava who is a council member of the sustainable energy association of singapore as well as co-founder md and ceo of climate resources exchange international i'm rachel kelly and you've been listening to eco money on money fm 89.3